Inside a rough and ruthless newsroom, thousands of stories fight for the spotlight. Only a few survive past their 15 minutes of fame. So what makes for a good headline and what makes for a buried byline? Join us, two former TV news producers, as we dig up stories that never got the recognition or justice they deserve. I'm Mallory Wilson. I'm Megan DeLucine. And this is Buried Bylines. My cold open is that I can't stop eating candy. <laughs> and I'm not even pregnant. You're the pregnant one. I, I don't have know been what's going on. For sure. Yeah. I I bought um those freeze-dried Skittles at five below, and they're actually really good. They're like crunchy. Oh, I feel like that would freak me out. It's weird because it's it's exactly like a Skittle, but a crunchy Skittle. Have you had any weird cravings yet? Uh, nothing weird. It's just like sweet stuff and then junk food, mm. like Burger King, pizza. Oh. oh my gosh, I have no idea what we're talking about today. I love when this happens because then you're just like thrown into the, the last- fire. Honestly, the last couple of weeks have been pretty chaotic, and I just, like, we haven't even talked about this, what we're doing this week, so. Right. Well, I will say today's case is wild. I found it when I was listening to the 48 Hours podcast. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so it had, it had, like, a million twists and turns. Like, I couldn't, I couldn't believe that I had not heard of it before. It's. Like wild. a movie plot? Literally, I, my next line. It has all of the makings of a TV movie. I'm just inside your head. You are. Um, like, literally, the 48 Hours article on CVS, which is basically just, like, a transcript of the episode, is called something like Killer Performance Investigation Unfolds Like Big Screen Mystery. Oh! Yeah. Okay. So, most of my information comes from that 48 Hours episode. If you're interested, it's season 29, episode 4. 29 seasons is crazy. <laughs> Just like this podcast is going to be. In a walker, I will be. We're going to be at the nursing home and we have to have rooms next to each other. Investigating <laughs> random crimes. Oh my yes. gosh. All right. So this case is one that got national attention. And that's, again, why I was like, why the fuck have I not heard of this before? But it was covered by national outlets like CBS, ABC. It's been the subject of many podcasts. Crime Junkie covered it. My Favorite Murder covered it. Um, Investigation Discovery, Dateline, and 2020 did a documentary about it. So all the big kahunas have covered this. And the biggest reason I want to cover it is take a shot. Because the victims get lost in all of this. Like, it's such a crazy story that, like, you forget about the victims. So it was actually one of the victims' family members saying just that, that actually pushed me to cover the case. Like, one of their sound bites in the podcast. Yes, it's crazy. Yes, it's interesting. Yes, there are twists and turns, but there are also real victims. So we're going to start with a mystery that no one ever wants to have to solve, a missing person. This story unfolds in Long Beach, California on Friday, May 21st, 2010, when a 23-year-old college student named Juri Julie Kibuishi disappeared. The LA Times reports she was last seen eating Thai food for dinner with her older brother. 
So her brother later said after the dinner, he had asked her to be a bridesmaid in his upcoming wedding. He gave her a tiara to wear in the ceremony. He said, I know, he said she left around midnight to go to her friend's apartment. That friend was 26-year-old Samuel or Sam Hare. Sam was a combat veteran who served in Afghanistan. ABC News reports he'd been struggling with symptoms of PTSD, but Julie was his friend and was helping tutor him in an anthropology class. On May 22nd, which is the next day, Sam Hare's parents became concerned when they hadn't heard from him in a while. ABC reports his dad, Steve Hare, said Sam was supposed to come over that weekend, but didn't, and he kept texting him and calling him, like, where are you, what are you doing, but Sam didn't answer. His dad decided to go to Sam's apartment to check on him, and what he found inside was a gruesome crime scene. (laughs) Yep, Sam's dad found Julie's body laying face down on Sam's bed. Some of her clothes were ripped off. She was shot in the head. And this part really sent me, she was still wearing the tiara her brother gave her. Now to the strangest part, she was wearing a sweater, but that's not not the strange part. But on the back of the sweater, someone wrote, quote, all yours, fuck you. The hell? I don't like that. I don't like that either. So according to ABC, there were no signs of a struggle. There were also no signs of Sam Hare. That's when his dad called police because he had found a dead body in his son's apartment and they put out an all points bulletin or APB for Sam. So before we get to the search for Sam, I wanna talk about Julie. So you need to grab some fireball or whatever you like to drink, get a shot glass. Cause I had to dig a bit mm-hmm. <laughs> for a description of her. Um, it wasn't as bad as some of the other cases I've covered before because this did get national attention, but I did have to dig through a bunch of like salacious headlines to get to it. So NBC's Dateline really did a good piece on her called Remembering Julie Kibuishi. Uh, They interviewed her mom. So according to her mom, she's very outgoing, very athletic. She said she played all the sports, which is very opposite of me. She made the all-star softball team, which she and her family was very proud of. Her mom said that she's a very hardworking person. Her main passion was dance. So her mom said that she eventually became interested in taking a fashion class and that she wanted to be a stylist. She also seemed to have a great relationship with her family. Her mom said every year for her birthday or for Mother's Day, special occasions like that, Julie would make her a CD because it's the 2000s. Yeah, yeah, as one does in the 2000s. Actually, the other day I found four discs that I know are mixed CDs and I don't know what the songs are on them. And I don't... I need to listen to them, but I don't know how to listen to them now because I don't have a CD adapter on my laptop and I don't have a CD player in my car. Oh, no. Okay, so for the youngins, we used to have these things called CDs. (laughs) They still sell CDs. Yeah, but who uses them? Uh, Not anybody I know. Right. When they stop making them in cars, that's when nobody uses them anymore. Yeah, no shit. Oh, gosh. So... People described her as kind and full of life. According to her jazz instructor at the Orange County School of Arts, Julie was, quote, beautiful. She was graceful, dynamic. She was strong. She was emotional. She went on to say Julie's kindness was really immeasurable. Everybody loved her. She was compassionate, warm, talented, very fun to watch on stage. So 
I mean, I looked at a ton of pictures and watched videos of her and she just seems super gorgeous and like fun loving. So it's just a shame, like someone snatched her life away and in such a degrading way. Yeah. So an APB is out for Sam and police immediately begin zeroing in on him, obviously. Um, authorities with the Costa Mesa Police Department said they believed he knew how to use a firearm due to his military background and could have possibly snapped due to that PTSD. Authorities said texts from Julie's phone showed that she got a text from Sam's phone at 2.45 that Friday afternoon saying he was helping out his neighbor and then heading to his parents for the weekend. Two hours later, she got a text saying, quote, can you come over tonight at midnight alone? Very upset need to talk and later quote I'm hurting with some family stuff I can't be alone no sex please I'm begging as a brother so I don't know Ooh. no sex <laughs> no sex Ugh. definitely not then but yeah super sketchy super weird and here's one of the first twists in our case it turns out after police started digging into his background they found out that Sam Hare had previously been charged with murder not looking good for Sam Hare. No, no, it's not. According to 48 Hours, Sam had been arrested and charged with murder at the age of 18 after he got involved with, quote, a rough crowd that included gangbangers. So according to an interview with his parents, this is basically what happened. Someone was killed, then another person was killed in retaliation. They said Sam was among 23 people charged and participating in that but he was acquitted. At this point, police considered him the murderer in Julie's case. There were the text messages, the fact that she was found in his apartment, and that now he was nowhere to be found. Seems like it's being teed up for him to go to prison. Yeah. So Sam's dad, Steve, started doing some digging of his own. He apparently shared a bank account with his son and saw that there were several ATM withdrawals in Long Beach, which was about 20 miles away, in the days leading up to when they hadn't heard from him. So police were also looking into these bank records and had the bank send them the footage of the person who used the ATMs. It was not Sam. So now police are like, what the fuck is happening? Uh, another twist. <laughs> another twist. The footage showed a teenage boy using Sam's credit card and like Sam's parents didn't recognize him. Nobody recognized him. They were like, who is this kid? ABC reports Sam Hare's credit card activity showed four ATM withdrawals and a pizza delivery in Long Beach. And the person showing up on all of those ATM cameras was that teenager that nobody recognized. So then there was a second pizza delivery. So police were like, awesome, we're gonna go to that house and see where, what's happening here. So police arrived at the location of the pizza delivery expecting to find Sam hiding out somewhere, but instead they found a 16 year old boy named Wesley French. He was with some friends. In Wesley's possession, police found Sam Hare's ATM card. This is when we hit another twist. Wesley told police that an older guy his mom met while doing community theater gave him the credit card and asked him to make withdrawals. Wesley said to 2020 that the man named Dan Wozniak told him he was a bail bondsman and needed to collect money that Sam owed. Wesley said Dan had a file folder full of paperwork saying it was all legal and that since Wesley was a minor, he couldn't be charged. Now, I know a 16-year-old's brain isn't fully developed at this time, but that statement is contradictory as hell. Like, 
it's legal, but you won't be charged because you're a minor. Wesley told police that Dan said to make sure that he had a hat on, too, when he was making withdrawals. So now police pull in Dan Wozniak for questioning, and eventually they rule out Wesley of any involvement. So Dan is a sort of local celebrity in the community theater scene. For those that don't know me, I love community theater. I love singing, I love performing, <laughs> I love the vibe. <laughs> um, it's an awesome thing to be a part of, but back to the story. Police contacted him asking him to come in and he told them, I can't. I'm on my way to my bachelor party. Oh, sorry. I'm really busy. Sorry. <laughs> this is not a suggestion. This is the fucking police. <laughs> so <laughs> police say fuck that answer and they show up two days later at his bachelor party. Damn. I... <laughs> I can't think of a worse way for my bachelor party, bachelor, bachelorette party to be. No! You get arrested? So this next quote is from Lieutenant Ed Everett, and I remember it from the 48 Hours episode. He said, quote, Dan Wozniak was there with a couple of friends, and immediately when he saw me, you could see the blood drain from his face. He turned pale and immediately looked down. Major yikes. So they get Dan into an interrogation room after he was like, no, thank you. And they're like, yes, thank you. You're going to talk to us. So he admitted talking to Wesley, that teen, into making withdrawals with Sam's ATM card. ABC reports that he told police he and Sam were actually working on a credit card scam together. He also told police that on the morning of Julie's murder, Sam came to see him saying he had, quote, done something bad and admitted to killing Julie. When police told him that they needed a DNA sample to rule him out as a suspect, Dan then said he was actually there in Sam's apartment on the day of the murder. There was a lot of back and forth, and he's being very shady. He told detectives, yeah, eventually he told detectives, quote, yes, I saw the goddamn body. Is that what you wanted to hear? Saw two gunshots in her head. Yeah, that is what we wanted to hear. Though. Right. That's what, we, that's what we wanted to hear. So this sends up a bright ass crimson red flag for investigators. They said detectives at the scene only visually saw one gunshot wound to her head. And later during her autopsy, they found a second gunshot wound. Meaning Dan had to be there during the murder to know that because that was not public knowledge. Oh, shit. Oh, shit is right. <laughs> so... This is like tea. I know. So police charged Dan as an accessory to the murder at that point. So after that, his story kept on changing. According to 48 Hours, he said he helped Sam get away, but didn't know what he was planning to do. He claimed Sam drove off with a mysterious guy in a black hat, but then said there wasn't a person with a black hat and that it was actually him and Sam in the car. Sam allegedly issued a death threat toward him on and on and on he kept saying he didn't know where sam was so right now police are like i don't i don't even know like is dan an accomplice to the murder and is covering for sam does he know where sam is is he helping him stay under the radar they have no idea or did he kill sam and this girl and then try to take his money and steal from him the possibilities are endless they are endless so dan's story just kept a change in, and you can see in his interrogation video, which you can watch online, Lieutenant Everett said, quote, I think he thought his acting ability was going to carry him through this performance, so to speak, and it wasn't doing it. Nar. Nar clear. So after the first interrogation, Dan was put in a jail cell because he was charged as an accomplice after the fact. 
And then he called his fiance, a woman named Rachel Buffett from a jailhouse phone. She was also involved in community theater and was in a musical with Dan at the time. And here's where we tell criminals to stay. Not the musical of it all. (laughs) I'm pissed about the musical of it all. Like, do not come for my musicals. Oh, that's so funny. (laughs) Uh, But yes. This is the part where we tell criminals to stay stupid because as everyone should know at this point, these phone calls are recorded. And according to that recorded phone call, Rachel said that she talked to Dan's brother, Tim Wozniak, earlier that day. And Tim told her he had incriminating evidence in his possession, including the murder weapon. What a dumb bitch. Why would you say that? Because she's fucking stupid. Tim said Dan gave him the evidence before he went to the police station. In the, say it with me, recorded phone call with Rachel, Dan begged her not to tell police about that incriminating evidence. That's when Rachel... (laughs) They're gonna find out, girl. That's when Rachel said to Dan, you know these are recorded, right? Oh my fuck. She was calling the police as soon as she got off the phone with him. Wow. These hoes are not loyal. No, they're not. That's when Dan decided he needed to tell detectives a new story. He was like, I need to talk with them again, please. So after 14 hours of being at the station, Dan Wozniak admitted to killing Julie and plot twist 9000. He also said he killed Sam Hare, too. (laughs) You guessed it. Yeah, because I was thinking, I was like, if this was a movie, what would the plot be? I know, I was really trying to set it up. (laughs) Well, good job. Thanks. So police are like, we thought Sam was just missing still. So they were like, oh my God. And it was a major shock to me, too, because like 48 Hours also played it that way, where I was like, yeah, Sam killed Julie for sure, because 99% of the time it's the spouse or the significant other. So myself and the police were shook. Dan said he actually killed Sam first. And this is where the story gets even wilder. Right, because like, what's the motive? So now we're going to figure yeah. out why we're doing batshit unhinged yes. things. Yes, but like if you pitch this to a production company, they'd be like, no, it's too much. Like, I, it's not believable, but it fucking happened in real life. So according to Dan, he lured Sam into the attic of a nearby theater, which was the one he was performing in, to help him move some things around. Remember, Sam and Dan were neighbors, so... Sam was being a good guy and helping a friend out. Dan told police, quote, I said, you need to bend down and help me lift this thing up. And when he bent down, I grabbed the gun and I shot him. And guess what? Dan said Sam was still alive after the first shot and was asking for help. And this motherfucker shot him again, killing him. And hold on to your butt because he then went on to perform in a musical in that same theater the next night. With the body up there. That's psychopathic. And the creepiest part of this thing, people said it was a great performance. (laughs) Well, yeah, he's living off the high of killing someone. I guess, but like how cold and calculated do you have to be to literally murder and dismember your friend with later we find out an axe and saw and then go on to sing and dance in front of people? In the most gory way. What was the musical? What was the musical? Nine. I've never heard of it, but I mean, it seems like a small town theater. So like you have to buy the rights to certain things. So I bet the price wasn't super high. I don't know. 
I thought you were going to tell me it was like Sweeney Todd or some shit. Oh my God. No, I would have been like, I'm done with this podcast. There's actually video of his performance that night if you're interested. But I Did you watch it? No. He gives community theater a bad name and that's to me almost as worse. Oh my God, shut up. (laughs) I'm just kidding. But for that, I hope he breaks a leg, literally, and preferably the other one, too. Correct. I can stand behind that. And two hours after that performance, he admitted to luring Julie to Sam's apartment by texting her on Sam's phone and killing her, too. Why? Two hours. I I was going to say I don't know, but I do know. (laughs) Um, You better know. If you don't know, I'm going to be pissed. No, it's the suspense. It's the suspense. But he admitted to shooting her twice and staging it, hoping to make it look like Sam raped and murdered his friend and then went on the run. Dan said he then, after killing Julie, went back to the theater, dismembered Sam's body, and disposed of some of his body parts in El Dorado Park in Long Beach. Then, according to the LA Times, he went back to Sam's apartment, ripped off Julie's jeans, and propped her body against the bed. So before we go on as to why the fuck this this guy did this, I want to talk about Sam. CBS reports Sam's dad said Sam was his best friend, and he called him he called him a quote big galoot. I don't know what that means, Aww. but I love it. I love it a lot. Sam eventually turned his life around after that murder charge and acquittal. He enlisted in the army and got deployed to Afghanistan. He served with the Army's 173rd Airborne with tours in both Afghanistan and Germany. He was described as a very caring, fun-loving guy. His parents said that he loved to help people, but was very naive, and that he just innately trusted people, which ended up being his downfall, unfortunately. As far as his relationship with Julie, everyone said they were like brother and sister. As far as I could tell in my research, they were never romantically involved. They were just friends. Uh, Sam's parents and friends met Julie saying she was super nice. His dad actually asked Sam if there was anything going on romantically. And he was like, no, we're just friends. We're just really good friends, which is like so sweet. According to the LA Times, Sam had been attending Orange Coast College on the GI Bill with the hopes of earning a college degree and rejoining the army as an officer. Obviously, Julie also enrolled there. I'd like to point out that Sam did get an A in anthropology after Julie tutored him. So it just seems like a really like pure friendship. I was going to say pure was like the word that came to mind. And like she got that text from Sam and was like, oh, he's hurting. I'm going to come over and like consult. Like it just sucks that someone played on such a friendship like that. Like it's awful. To the question on everyone's mind, why? Why did Dan Wozniak murder his friends? The answer is a tale as old as time. Do you know? Jealousy. Nope. Money. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's only two, there's like, two, two three answers. Yes. Money. According to Sam's dad, Sam had saved over $60,000 in combat pay while he was deployed. Jeez. And that's what Dan, yeah, that's what Dan was after. Because he couldn't fucking pay for his wedding and honeymoon. Shut up fuck right off i'll say your mom's favorite get fucked dan yeah that's crazy that's a crazy motive it's horrible dan told police point blank quote it was all about the money that was it that's it fuck you according to an oxygen article the couple 
like him and his fiance lived together. They were also at risk of possible eviction from their home. And now I'm going to come for the fiance because she's also fucking garbage. Police decided to bring her in to see if she knew what was going on. 48 hours report, she barely reacted to the news that her fiance was now being arrested for murder. Red flag. Excuse me, what the fuck? Can you react again? Thanks. <laughs> that was weird of you. Along with the fact that she admitted she knew about that incriminating evidence in the again recorded jailhouse phone call, stay fucking stupid. And police did find that backpack that they were talking about on the phone call. Inside were shell casings from Julie's murder, Sam's wallet, ID, checkbook, and Sam's bloody clothes. You're done. Goodbye. You're done. <laughs> That's it for you, my guy. Goodbye. Um, police eventually were able to find most of Sam's scattered body parts, except for his head and his hand. Um, I think animals got to too. So 48 hours reports on what would have been Sam's 27th birthday, authorities recovered his head. His hand was never found. He was given a hero's burial with full military honors. Good. Dan Wozniak was eventually charged with two counts of first degree murder, Obvi. His brother, Tim Wozniak, and fiance, Rachel Buffett, were also arrested as accessories after the fact. Even better. While awaiting trial on bail, Rachel went on Dr. Phil. Oh, garbage. I hate her so much. She said she didn't know a thing. No, she's a trash can of a human being, allegedly, in my opinion. <laughs> Rachel, by the way, performed in that same musical with Dan the night after he killed Sam. Oh, my God. Leave community theater alone. Not what I should be mad about, but. Yeah, come on. <laughs> Uh, I'm just mad about a lot of things. So Dan pleaded not guilty despite his literal confession and the unbelievable evidence. Against yeah. Him. Yeah. There couldn't be more evidence to get someone <laughs> in jail for the rest of their lives. God, It took five and a half years for this to go to trial, which is horrible for the family. And Dan, like the garbage pit he is, played it up, appearing on the show Lockup, doing interviews whatever and here's where we need to do better as journalists as a society he should not have opportunities to speak or address anyone anymore i understand the case is crazy it's sensational but he murdered two people and also this isn't the type of story where it's like you tell your side like right. like fuck your side i don't give a fuck why you did this you're crazy this is the quote from sam's dad steve in that 48 hours episode that made me actually decide to do this case he said, quote, unless we mention their names for five years, for over 100 hearings, their names are not mentioned. We've addressed the court a number of times. This case is about Samuel Hare and Julie Kibuishi. You gotta put their names, end quote. Yeah. Period. In December of 2015, Dan's trial began. If convicted, he faced the death penalty. I'm not going to quote him or give him any more attention than I have to. It took the jury two hours to reach a unanimous decision. In 2016, Dan was found guilty of murdering Sam Hare and Julie Kibuishi. And that's the last time I'm mentioning his name. Two weeks later, he was sentenced to death. The Kibuishis and the Hares finally got to talk about the pain and suffering he caused. I really like, like this quote from prosecutor Matt Murphy. He said, quote, it's not his show anymore. It's Sam and Julie's show. And it's about the families now. It's not about him. 
end quote, which is amazing. I highly recommend you watch some of the videos like that 48 hours episode, the 2020 documentary, because you hear testimony from the families. It's heartbreaking and heartwarming at the same time because they finally get to speak their truth. And I think that's what media should focus on rather than the killer. But California Governor Gavin Newsom has since issued a moratorium on executions in 2019. So the killer's sitting on death row. According to a Behind the Badge article, Sam's parents both spoke out about the decision at a rally with other people who have lost loved ones and whose killers were on death row. They shared the frustration and anguish they faced from the 322 court hearings over eight years. I can't imagine that. That's so much time to just sit there and have to relive all of this. I know. God. And Rachel Buffett, his now former fiance, went on trial two years later. I don't give a fuck about her either. So she was convicted in 2018 on two counts of being accessory after the fact. She was sentenced to 32 months in prison. She still to this day says she wasn't involved. Tim Wozniak, the killer's brother, was sentenced to probation after he pleaded guilty to be an accessory after the fact, according to the Orange County Register. And that is pretty much it for this case. My main takeaway is that we can't keep letting victims get lost in these crimes. The headlines say it all. Killer performance, a groom's deadly scheme, the final act, all intended to snag the reader or viewer and entice them with the promise of grisly details and a scandal. But again, Two people lost their lives. Two young people, two innocent people, Sam Hare and Julie Kibuishi. Their deaths should not define their stories. They should be remembered. And I say it all the time, journalists, the media, the public, we need to do better. So it's pretty obvious as to why this case got national attention, but it really didn't pop up nationally until 2015 or so. I'm not quite sure why it wasn't heavily covered in the beginning, because like the details were out there after he was charged in 2010. It was in a lot of newspapers, but maybe it's because it took so long to go to trial. I don't know. I saw multiple articles in the Orange County Register, the LA Times, as far back to 2010. That's when it happened. So I don't, I really have no idea why I didn't get picked up earlier. But the only thing that I just don't understand is like, okay, so you, you felt so desperate that you needed money that you were going to kill your friend why did you have to lure Julie in and kill her also? What's the point of killing her? I don't know. I think he he wanted to make it look like, I don't fucking know. I think, I mean, he wanted to make it look like Sam killed Julie and took off. So then like people would be looking for Sam as a killer. But yeah, I don't, I mean, he really did not need to do that. Like if he scattered the body. And the message know. The message just, it all just feels so cruel. Yeah, like playing on that pure friendship, like as a brother, I need you to be with me. Yeah, it was weird. Like he really honestly did not need to involve Julie at all. I mean, there had to have been other ways to create a narrative around Sam going missing other than killing some another person. Yeah, I don't know. He's fucked up. Like I, I, I think that he got a high off of killing him and then was like well how can I cover this up and then was like oh well I could just kill someone else right that could be like how does your brain get there yeah that's what I mm -mm, I don't know and that's why I think we're like true crime is so interesting because we as normal humans are like how the fuck yeah (laughs) you get from here to here yeah 
Give me that fun fact. Okay. All right. Okay. Let me find one. This seems timely considering I am so sick of how fucking hot it is outside. (laughs) Okay. Shoot. Okay. Did you know that Scotland has more than 400 words for snow? Whoa. There are 400 different words that could mean snow or be snow associated. That would be horrible for, like, a Wordle game. (laughs) That's wild. Or, like, (laughs) if it's a crossword puzzle, if it's, like, another word for snow in Scotland, and you're like, what the fuck? There's 400 (laughs) of them. There's, like, a literally a dictionary just called snow, and it's all the different words (laughs) for snow. Snow dictionary. As former journalists, we want to give credit where credit is due. For this episode, I got my information from CBS News, ABC News, NBC News, 48 Hours, The Daily Mail, The LA Times, The Orange County Register, People Magazine, The Sun, Inside Edition, and Behind the Badge. You can find a complete list of our sources in the show notes. Please make sure to check them out. Bye! Bye! And follow us on social media, you glutes. Please.